0: Hello, Jazz Session listeners. I am Jason Crane, host of the Jazz Session, announcing the 100 by 300 campaign. That's right. My goal is to get 100 members by the 300th show to keep the Jazz Session going, and you can join very easily. Just visit thejazzsession.com and click on either the join link at the top of the page or the one on the side of the page. There are monthly levels starting at $10 a month. There are yearly levels starting at $110 a year. Please join the people who have already become members and help keep the Jazz Session going. The Jazz Session receives no external funding from any source uh, up to and including all about jazz, and that means for me to keep doing it, I need you. Thousands and thousands of you listen to every show, and if you could find the uh, the cost of maybe two cups of coffee uh, a month in your couch cushions, you can help keep the show going for years to come. That is the 100 by 300, 100 members by the 300th show. Join now at thejazzsession.com. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, mp3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available at TheJazzSession.com. You can also subscribe using an RSS reader or subscribe in iTunes, and information on how to do that is available at TheJazzSession.com. As you heard uh, at the beginning of the show, there's a little advertisement that plays. I'm looking for members. I need 100 of you to join in support of the show by the 300th episode uh, so we can keep this thing afloat, and uh, I think I'm going to make it. I've got 10 members already in the first few weeks, which is great. And I really need your help. So if you can uh, find your way to becoming a member of the show, thousands of you listen to every episode. And uh, I really only need a 100 of you uh, to join. A small percentage of the people who listen to each show, uh, if you could join, uh, that would really, really help me out and uh, make the show viable. The show will never be a really profit-making enterprise. um, But at least that would help me to keep producing the show, to spend some number of hours each week. Making more of these, so uh, if you can find your way toward giving me a little money, you can do that at thejazzsession.com/join. Uh, voting is closed for the podcast awards, so I'm not going to ask you to go there, but I'll thank you uh, for doing it if you did and you went to vote for the Jazz Session. Um, the details will be released soon on the winners, and and win or lose, I'm uh, I'm really happy that you guys went and nominated the show. It means a lot to me. Thanks. My guest today is Kali Z Fasto. She is a multi instrumentalist with a new record called. Animal Grace uh, and from it we're going to start with the very first track this, uh, this album is two different live recordings on one CD uh, the first is a, a duet with uh, Louis Maholo the drummer and here's a tune called Impulse My guest is Kali Z. Fasto. She has a, a brand new album called Animal Grace, which features uh, live recordings made in in two very different contexts in two different places, and uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Kali to the show. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for interviewing me.
0: The first thing that uh, jumped out at me when I started listening to this record, and it's been, uh, it's been months now since I received it, was that... Beyond just uh, your explorations of uh, what can I do within the limited sound palette available from the instruments that I have, you seem to be saying, how do I break past? the perceived limitations of these instruments and find new sounds and new ways to make use of you know, everything from the voice to uh, flute and saxophone, uh, which I found very exciting uh, and very refreshing to hear. Can you talk a little bit about your approach to, to sound and to kind of pushing past what we might think of as the boundaries of the instruments?
1: Yes, well, thank you very much, and uh, that's a great question because that is a major focus of my work, um, is... Uh, uh, breaking boundaries or leaping over them and uh, leaping over some of the, uh, as you say, perceived limitations of the instruments and that's one reason that I'm a multi-instrumentist because each instrument does have certain limitations and so by being able to play many instruments, which I started doing as a child, so it's kind of second nature to me, of course it takes a lot of work too, but um, each instrument has uh, so many possibilities and uh... beyond any kind of uh... organization in a particular tradition of music whether it's western music or other traditions uh... so there's a lot that's outside of the construct that's already there so I feel that that's my purpose in music is to to really uh... present the unknown
0: Kali did you uh, did you grow up uh, as a as a listener and musician without referencing those boundaries, or is that kind of exploration something you came to later in your musical career?
1: Well, I can say that uh, I had you know uh, traditional instruction, classical music, and piano. Uh, one of my my main teacher was Alga Heifetz from you know Yasha uh, Heifetz's sister in law. So I. I came up very, very much in the uh, Western classical tradition and listening to jazz as a child also. And um, so I came up within that framework, but fairly early on I had a dream that of, of just improvising without, uh, without structure. And then the next morning I woke up and tried it out, and it seemed to work. So uh, since that time, it's really been my preference.
0: Uh, and you mean that literally? You don't mean you had a wish to do that. You mean you actually had a dream about that topic.
1: Yes, I actually did. I actually did, and uh, it just sort of pointed the way of uh, possibilities.
0: And at that time, given that you were kind of seated in what we might call this more traditional framework of classical instruction and so on and so forth, did you have an outlet uh, for that kind of performance?
1: for classical music?
0: No, I mean for your for your new for approach improvisation. to uh, improvisation.
1: Um, at that time not not so much. I mean uh, I was already, you know, there's had a lot of piano lessons, also cello and flute, and uh, of course singing. I was always singing in the school choirs and uh music composition cuz uh, my mother's side was all uh, musicians, professional musicians. And um so I came up with a lot of music around me listening all the time and I always preferred music to any other type of entertainment. So uh it, it I think that um once I started to to improvise, uh then you know the guitar, of course I took up guitar like so many people did when they were teenagers back in that that uh, era folk music <clears throat> and so forth. So that gave a little more flexibility also. And um in college I listened to I started listening to more world music. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were lim- there were a lot of limitations. I wasn't performing professionally until I got out of college, so um, but I was able to explore. <laughs>
0: On this uh, album, Animal Grace, uh, you play a, a number of different things, uh, things that most people are familiar with, like the piano and the soprano saxophone, um, and the voice, although the, the way you use your voice, uh, many people would find surprising, and I want to talk about that. But you also play a couple instruments uh, with which I was, a uh, three, I think, with which I was less familiar, and forgive me if I butcher the names and you can correct me, but there is uh, mizmar, the Nye Flute, or Nay Flute, and Sanza. Can you talk about what those three things are? And also yes. correct my terrible pronunciation.
1: I think you got them right, actually. Yay! Yes, and uh, mizmar is a small. Uh, it's a category known as a flageolet. It's a tiny reed instrument from a uh, small reed. It has a slit in one end, and uh, sometimes they're it doubled. You know, the two of them wrapped together, and it's really uh, ubiquitous in a large swath of of land and cultures from uh, in the west, Morocco, and. Algeria, all the way over to Pakistan, all through North Africa and India and uh, just so many regions of the world.
0: And what are the reeds connected to, Kali? So there's, there's a,
1: a double it. reed. Oh, that's just the whole instrument. It's just one reed with a slit in one end. Wow. That's, that's the one I have. There, there are also ones that have an, a reed with that same ending but also put in an inside of a longer reed. And then sometimes the other end has a bell... Could be i have one i have one with goat horn and sometimes as i said there's the two reeds put together with two sets of finger holes so that it makes chords and uh, and sometimes they have a kind of uh, a gourd attached that's like uh, what they call the snake charmer instrument in india or something like that so and it has a sound very similar to double reed instruments such as such as the uh, oboe Oh, the shanai or the zurna, in Turkey it's called zurna.
0: And so in the version that you have, how do you control the pitch?
1: There are finger holes. And oh, okay. there's also Yeah, and there's also, uh, you can make a, a lot of uh, variation in pitch just through uh, the angle or shape of your mouth and the pressure of the air.
0: Now, how did you come across this instrument initially? I, I know you lived in India and Turkey and you've traveled all over the world. Where did you first encounter this instrument?
1: Yes, well, uh, Raphael Garrett and I were traveling uh, in Crete. On the, we were on the south coast of Crete on the beach, and we came across an old man, and he made one, for, uh, he made some for us. And I have that very same one that he made, and uh, he said he couldn't play them anymore because he, he had asthma or something, but he, he gave us uh, a couple of them, and I have the same one ever since. It's only about maybe five inches long maybe about uh, not much more than a quarter inch in diameter. Uh,
0: now, how, let's move on to the Nye flute, and will you explain to people what that is?
1: The Nye flute is an uh, end-blown flute that's held at an oblique angle, and uh, it's just a tube, basically. And uh, it's called nay or Nye, and uh, other names also because it's found uh, in Morocco is called Nye, Turkey is called nay. Played also as far uh, east as Pakistan, as far north as Bulgaria, as far south as uh, areas of the Sahara, Niger, Mali.
0: Is, is it similar structurally to, uh, I'm just trying to think of things that I'm familiar with, like a shakuhachi or the Cana uh, flute that sometimes is played in, in Peru and other places? Or just one uh, long piece of... To some of extent,
1: wood? yeah. I also... I, may, I make bamboo flutes. So I also make the, the shakuhachi and kena. Uh, shakuhachi and kena are, are held vertically. The ne is held at an oblique angle. Not oh, okay. horizontally like the uh, Bansuri, the Indian flute, and the Western flute. It's held kind of in between. Gotcha. Oblique. And uh, uh, the shakuhachi and the kena have a notch in the top of the tube for the, for the embouchure. Whereas the ne is just a circle... In Turkey, they have a little kind of uh, uh, an addition that they put on. It's a little hat. looks like a little hat on top of it. But it basically is the same thing.
0: And then how about the sanza?
1: Sanza is another name for a thumb piano, likembe, uh, kalimba. It's, you know, kind of a box with metal prongs that you can play with your fingers or your thumb.
0: Now, in the case of these instruments that come from, uh, and I may display my own ignorance here, but that come from what I believe are, are musical styles that don't use kind of tempered Western tuning, um, how do you fit them into the context of playing, for example, with a pianist there or uh, other instruments that are slightly more bound to what we would consider conventional tuning?
1: Well, uh, you can, because of the, they are very flexible it's just like a violin or you know a string instrument or an unfretted string instrument even a fretted instrument there's way, there are ways to a lot of flexibility in the intonation and for instance when you're playing the, the nay flute or any, any of the flutes the angle at which you direct the air at the the edge of the flute will change the pitch so you can adjust the pit, pitches to conform to to almost anything you know if you you know there's nay players that you know they'll usually have a Variety of flutes and different keys, and you you know choose one that fits best with whatever else is going on. But uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I think the piano is one of the most limited in terms of intonation that you could find, and um, uh, maybe the string the voice is probably the least the, uh, the the least limited in terms of intonation. But yeah, there are ways of adapting.
0: And actually, that points to something. the uh, The second half of this album, uh, "Animal Grace," which is live in the Alps, uh, was recorded with uh, Bobby Few on piano, Wayne Dockery on bass, and Steve McRaven on drums. And uh, one of the things that really struck me, uh, particularly about Bobby Few's playing on this, and I know that that you and he uh, go way back, so this isn't very surprising, but he he really seems able to to follow you in these sonic explorations, and and really able to play almost what what I would consider kind of outside the normal uses of the piano you, you really seem like a like a great match how, how did the two of you meet and realize that you had an affinity for for playing together
1: well um I lived in paris for uh many years uh and uh he you know he's lived there he's he's based there and uh there's a whole scene over there uh during the i was there mostly during the seventies and part of the eighties uh in in between other travels to India and other places. So, um, you know, of course, uh, with, uh, he used to play with um, Frank Wright, and Muhammad Ali, and Alan Silva. They had a uh, wonderful quartet. So, you know, we had occasions to perform together. And um, later on, when he had a chance to come to, to New York, we had uh, a chance to play together, redo some recording and and whatnot. So, yeah, we're very, very compatible musically, just very... There certain people that you can just work with without a lot of uh, to-do or, you know, preparation. Uh, Luis Maholo is one of those also in the first half of the album, in which case uh, that was really the first, not the first time, but one of the very few times we performed together, and no rehearsal, no instructions, <laughs> and just hit. And it is, you know, impeccable, his playing is impeccable. Uh, sometimes you just, uh, you, you know, you can find that kind of uh, musical compatibility and with Bobby Few is of course you know also a great master on his instrument and um so it's always it, it always works <laughs>
0: Speaking of uh, the, the first half of the record, Live in Harlem and your duet uh, with Louis Maholo, duet really sounds, makes it sound much more limited than it is. Because I, one of the most arresting things about that first half of the album is just how much music the two of you produce. I mean, given you're, that you're playing many different instruments and using... Uh, uh, voice with effects and uh and and just how fantastic a musician he is Uh, i was really really amazed by just how much music is created uh, by the two of you how did that uh, duet session come about
1: Uh, he was in town and he, he rarely comes to the states not very often and he was in town to play the vision festival that year and um so i just took that opportunity and uh on short notice to set up um a small uh, gig and we recorded the gig and, and that's how that happened we had first played together uh, during the 70s um, uh, in Amsterdam uh, he and Mangezi Faza and some of the other musicians from South Africa came through and played with Raphael Garrett and myself and, uh, but I hadn't had a chance to perform with him ever since then and uh, so it was a fortuitous circumstance
0: and I should have asked you this first but uh, tell people who uh, Louis Maholo
1: is He's a wonderful drummer from South Africa and uh, he's made uh, quite a um, name for himself since he's, based, he's been based in London for many years but then uh, after Mandela came um, into office and apartheid dissolved then he went back to South Africa and he's been there for a number of years and um, he's, he's just a wonderful, wonderful musician. He's played with a lot of the European avant-garde musicians, too, as well as some
0: Americans. Kali, you've lived, uh, according to your biography, in 18 different countries, which, A, makes me very jealous, and B, makes me uh, want to know why. Why did you feel compelled to, to spend so much time in so many different
1: places? I think it's, uh, you know, sometimes they call that wanderlust or curiosity. I've always been just interested in, in the whole world. You know, I, I, growing up, I I traveled as a kid, too. I lived in Paris for five years as a child, from age one to six. So I guess that's where I first got a taste for internationalism. Um, went to the UN school as a, you know, uh, you know the first couple years of school, and um, I just uh, it just comes naturally. I think my my parents traveled a lot, especially my father, and uh, it really just kind of is in my blood, and I had just a tremendous, tremendous curiosity to see how other cultures lived, and I was always drawn by the music of other cultures. I was drawn to places where I loved the music, so I, I wanted to see how, how it was there, how people lived, how the sounds were in there in, in that environment, and study if possible, or study either formally or informally by osmosis. Uh, so that that's how that happened, and it was, you know, I, I lived, I traveled, On a shoestring, you know, I would have some gigs and then have enough money to get to the next place and then set up some gigs, find the musicians, set up some gigs over there and go to the next place. And uh, it was quite an adventure. I'm really glad I did it at that time in my life, you know. And, uh, you know, many people keep, uh, you have a lot of obligations to keep them in one place during their, their early part of their adulthood. And I chose to, you know, really be like a gypsy and really explore. I just had this craving to explore many, many lands, many cultures. <laughs>
2: Hey, you not do not not
0: I find that I tend to ask this next question to people uh, like you who have incorporated uh, music and instruments from different cultures uh, into your own your own music uh, and I, the question is how uh, how do you avoid if that's something that even crosses your radar a, a kind of a cultural tourism how do you make things authentically yours given that they're cultures that just by the nature of how long a human life is you know you can't have time to to grow up as a, a native player of music in every country and so how do you find how do you incorporate things in a way that feels to you authentic
1: well, I don't try to duplicate any anything. I don't try to duplicate any types of uh, Western music or tunes or anything. I mean, I'll play or sing anything at home. I, I love all kinds of music: soul music, gospel music. You know, I might perform them at home for my own enjoyment or, for you know, but when I go out to present my music, um, it's always original, and I don't try to duplicate. You know, a duplication is. It's wonderful, there's a lot of people that do it very very well, and that's their that's their thing. A lot of people play one instrument and they play many kinds of of music on it. They put something in front of them and they'll play it perfectly but my gift is is entirely the opposite. I don't specialize in one instrument; I'm a generalist when it comes to instruments, but I specialize in the sense that i I create my own music, and so in my experiences and i I have taken some formal lessons. I studied Hindustani music in India, but uh you know by and large it's by osmosis and listening and observation. so when I put my own music together or it's not you know say it's your own, it's really you know we're 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 channels for so many things that come through us, and as artists it's our our obligation to To hone our skills as channels, you know, to to practice, to get your chops, keep your chops up and all that, and really be open. So, from all the kinds of music I've listened to over the years and experienced firsthand or listened to from recordings, uh, I just created my own personal synthesis. And uh, I really try, and I, I, I think I do, because I have such an affinity for the natural timbres and the natural instruments to bring out the sounds of these different instruments and uh, the delicacy and the power of, the, of each instrument. And I love so many different kinds of scales. You know, in Indian music, there are hundreds, actually thousands, but there are hundreds of really well-known ragas, which are, are scales and, and phrasing within scales in Western music you only have three scales. So, you know, there's, there's such a wealth of information out there to, to uh, you know, have as fuel for what you create if you can access some of that. And then, then you know, the the wealth of rhythmic patterns and, and ways of putting rhythms together in Africa and other countries and other parts of the world that are are, are so fascinating. It's an endless study. That's why, you know, the musicians said we'll never... Finish learning, which is the beauty of it. We always have work to do. There's always something to do, and so I uh, endeavor to really, you know, combine what I love best—the sounds that I love best—that I've had a chance to listen to, had a chance to um, create, and just combine them. But with the energy and spontaneity of free jazz, because that's a inf- very essential element for me. Is to not perform according to pre-programmed uh, forms. Create the, the forms can be seen after they're created, but not to be limited by by forms created, programs created in advance. Even in my own, comp, you know, compositions or programs or something I played <clears throat> at a gig the night before. Every day it really should be fresh. That's the ideal. So I don't feel, you know, I understand what your question is because there's so many people that combine, you know, different aspects of they call you know world music, um, which is can be done well or, or can also really give short shrift to, to the beauty and the individuality of sounds coming from different cultures. So I really, uh, I really try to be faithful to the actual sound of the instruments. But I don't try to recreate the exact music if, if I made myself uh, understood with that.
0: Absolutely. this show is going to uh air on December 16th. So keeping that in mind, are there some um, upcoming performances that you'd like to mention?
1: Well, uh yeah, I have a couple things not not in December or January. I have I have something in February and something in March. I think it's uh February 1st at uh University of the Streets and then another one on uh March the 5th at University of the Streets. And this is a uh, it's a venue that's been there a long time in the Lower East Side, and it's actually a very nice space. They're well equipped with grand piano, and drum set, and so forth, and uh, it's a pleasant place to be. And this is uh, lately uh, they're starting to have um, artists curating a uh, month at you know kind of like they do at the Stone. So in uh, February, uh, Hill Green is curating, and in March, uh, Ross is is curating.
0: And uh, just to be clear I'm sure most of our listeners will have guessed this But that's the Lower East Side of Manhattan So if you're right, in the, right. the New York area You can check those out And also there'll be a link to uh, Kali's website In the notes to this show at thejazzsession.com So you can go to her website And uh, find out about upcoming gigs And see uh, all of her recordings there uh, Kali, are there things I haven't asked you about That you'd like to mention Either related to this album or to, to other things?
1: Yes um, Well, it kind of touched on the, on the edge of it But um, in terms of the the uh of my vocal style, I call it international vocalese because just as with the instruments, by hearing all kinds of sounds all kinds of music, all kinds of instruments, all kinds of ways of singing i uh incorporate some things that that I've heard or ways of producing sound, but again of course um never exactly because our voices are always our own. And we you know we we can cultivate our voices, but we still always sound like ourselves, which is the way it's supposed to be so i uh you can call it scat or whether I actually prefer uh singing without words because somehow words pin things down too much, and music is really beyond words, and music can express things that are beyond words, so I try to um you know achieve and express a variety of Emotional and spiritual feelings that are beyond words and to um portray through the sounds, I create a kind of an ideal vision of people from many lands who appreciate and cherish each other's expressive and unusual sounds to you know to bring people together to appreciate uh the possibilities and uh the gifts of of each different culture so and also um another important part of uh the theory behind the way I play. Um uh, I call it the Tao of Music. Um and it's uh I try to, you know, through sound to rebalance the equilibrium, the dynamic equilibrium of yin and yang in society and in music. I didn't mean, really get into that so much, but um I did create you know, different qualities of music, highs and lows, loud and soft Rough timbres, smooth timbres, um polyrhythm or simple rhythms, odd metered rhythms versus even metered rhythms all these different qualities of music create interest and in definition by juxtaposition and um having them the contrast move through town, through, through time so um you know when you are um, totally improvising without any kind of structure or pre preconception. If there's anything, it's about showing the unity or uh, expressing the joyful unity of the opposites of sound, the contrast, because the contrast shows the interest. If you play loud the whole time, it loses interest. Or you know, it's between loud and soft that the interest comes in. Loud is only loud by comparison to soft. High is high by comparison to low. And so you know, so 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 forth with all the different. Uh, aspects or qualities of sound and music. So, um, you know, many people like theories um, or they appreciate that or they feel that with a theory that will explain the unexplainable, which is really, music, as I said, really is beyond words, but this kind of approach through through yin and yang, through Taoism, uh, it kind of, uh, it, it gives a framework because at any moment in time, you're free to choose from any of these polarities and uh, it, in that moment of creation where all your senses are focused on the sound you're creating the sounds around you so it's it's wide open and yet there's there's, there's some kind of logic behind it not that you have to be thinking about the logic because it just flows through you but that's really the ultimate and uh, that's really the joy you know it's really an exhilarating joyful experience and to be able to share that with other people and show them that they too can live their lives that way because sound, you know, the the mind, the brain follows sound. So that's why music is such a powerful force. And uh if you can show people by the way you play without structure, preconceived structure, uh life follows the sound so they can create their own lives that way too. So it's this kind of a all encompassing uh... theory or approach to the music and you know it works for me and i'm so grateful to to you know have the opportunity to perform to have to have have the skills and the just the kind of uh... temperament for this work because it's extremely rewarding on many levels certainly not every level and i'm not even going to go into that (laughs) But it certainly is rewarding i'm very grateful to have the opportunity to, to share, uh, share uh, whatever I can with uh, with the people.
0: My guest is Kali Z. Fasto. She has a, a wonderful new album called Animal Grace, and uh, it's it's been really fascinating to talk with you. And I thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show.
1: Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Jason.
0: That's music from Kali Z. Fasto and her new album, Animal Grace. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is uh, available at TheJazzSession.com for free anytime you want it. It's also available in iTunes. You can subscribe using iTunes or an RSS reader, and you can do that uh, via the links at TheJazzSession.com. Please become a member, Okay and support the show. Thank you very much. Also, uh, support the guys who recorded the theme music for this show, the Respect Sextet. Their albums are at respectsextet.com, including the most recent one, Farsicle Built for Six. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the Jazz Session logo. Thank you for listening, and now get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.